<clears throat> if you have your Bibles, I'd love it if you'd go to Exodus chapter 34 with me. Exodus 34. You guys remember the story of King Aram? You don't have to flip there now, but in 2 Kings 6, King Aram sent all of his forces, a mighty vast army with chariots and horses and troops after Elisha, the prophet. Because Elisha kept on telling the king of Israel where and when King Aram was going to be before he got there. And so he says, take this guy out. And so he sends him and the, he sends his soldiers and they surround this village. You remember the story? And the next morning, Elisha's servant goes out and he says, oh my Lord, what will we do? Look at all of the horses and chariots that have surrounded this village. They'll, they'll kill us. And Elisha cries out, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. He doesn't pray, Lord, send horses and chariots of fire to fill the mountaintops around this village. He says, Lord, open his eyes, my servant's eyes, so that he can see what's already happening right now. Open his eyes to look into a different realm than the one he's looking in right now. Would you give him eyes of faith to see beyond the veil into eyes of the spirit that can see that more are for us than those that are with them, right? I don't need to pray for something to already happen that is already happening. What I need to do is pray for revelation to see it and to know it and to walk in that realm. A different and a higher realm, a realm of faith into what's already happening. Um, a lot of times we pray, Lord, give me a prophetic word for somebody. Uh, Lord, give me the gift of healing so that I might heal. So I want to heal more. all these really, really good things. <clears throat> Lord, I pray for this divine thing that you have that I know I have access to, but give it to me, Lord. And this week I got some revelation, and that's what I want to share with you, is living above the line of sight is the phrase that the Lord had dropped in my heart. There's a line of sight and a line of sight is, I do what I'm seeing in front of me. I react to what's around me based on sight living. And the Lord's calling us to live above the line of sight in a different realm, a realm where we already have everything for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about. Um, you remember, before we get to Exodus 34, Paul's exhortation to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, to Timothy, I want you to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. Meaning, I want you to get extra oxygen on something that's already there. I want you to, I want you to do something that doesn't create the flame and and you doing it doesn't actually grow the flame like your hands are on it. You're actually just providing more oxygen for what's already there to grow. Fan into flame the gift that's already inside of you. And what's really important about this is he juxtaposes right after that what that means opposite, meaning God didn't give us a spirit of fear, 
but he gave us a spirit of boldness, of power, love, and a sound mind. Fanning into flame the gift of God as opposed to living in a spirit, a lack of boldness. Living in fear culture. I want you to fan into flame and live a bold and fearless life, Timothy. I don't want you to live a timid life because you didn't get a spirit of timidity. I don't want you to live a life of fear. I want you to live a life of boldness. I want you to live above the line of sight. I want you to live from heaven to earth instead of living from earth back to heaven. We are on the earth, yes, But more importantly and more realistically than these pews from the Nazarene building is that we are seated eternally where, everybody? In the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where is Christ Jesus at? On the throne. More importantly, for trillions of years, we will be identified there, not here. That's more real than what you're seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, sighting, whatever today. That's more real. I want you to live from that reality with minds set on things above, not minds set on things down below. So easy, right, to get caught up in sight living, yes? Even if you're not sinning, you're just living in sight living. Just pay the bills, put gas in the car, go to work, live in a relationship with people and just do my best. That is nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, but you can get caught up in that and not living outside of that in the realm of faith. Elisha's servant wasn't sinning because he didn't see the horses and chariots of fire, right? It wasn't like he went out and sinned. He just wasn't living in the realm that he could be living in. This is not a salvation issue. This is about what's accessed, what we have access to. And the Lord is just revealing this. To live in this realm requires boldness. It requires fearlessness. Josh Engel sent a text out um, this morning, I think it was, the Disciple Nations group, and he said he's praying for us that the righteous are as bold as lion. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as lions. And he was praying for boldness. And I was thinking, what blocks this boldness? Anybody ever been bold as a believer, where you just step right out and you're just like, Jesus loves you, I want to share the gospel with you. And afterwards, how do you feel? You're just like, yeah, that was awesome. Let's do that again. And the next day you're like, am I even a Christian? I don't love Jesus. I don't, I'm not a good witness, right? We're just up and down. But when we do that, when we act in faith, the spirit flows through us in such a way and we share the gospel with our coworker or with the guy at the gas station. We just give a prophetic word to somebody we don't know. There's boldness there that's required. Well, what comes against that boldness is the question the Lord's had in my mind. What comes against that? What makes you fearful? What comes against that fearlessness that is yours in Christ Jesus? the flow that Jason talked about. What comes up against that flow that's wanting to burst out of you, right? The spirit in you wants to flow out in boldness. What holds that down? Exodus 34. Exodus 34, starting in verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, this is the second time, by the way, First time he came down, golden calf incident, he threw the tablets down. This is the second time he's come down with the tablets. When he came down, 
He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, that his face was radiant, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands of the Lord the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw again that his face was radiant. And then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. And the understanding is then he would take the veil off of his face. Moses' face was shining. Why? Because he had been speaking with the Lord. 40 days supernatural fast. He had been infused with the glory of the Lord on that mountaintop. He had been exposed like the sun on the bright sun on the beach. What happened? You just, you look different because of the sun. Moses looked different because of gazing at the Lord in the Lord's presence. He released the old covenant to the people, the old arrangement to the people. And he, when he was talking to them, he was hidden behind the veil because his face was shining. It says they were afraid to come near him. He was hidden behind the veil. But whenever he went and spoke to the Lord, he took the veil off of his face and soaked up more of the glory. Why the veil? Why did Moses do that? Yeah, we all know his face was shining and he put on a veil, but why? And the New Testament gives us interpretation for that. I want to unpack that here in a minute. It wasn't because it says the people were afraid. It was actually because Moses was afraid. The New Testament says Moses lacked boldness and that's why he put the veil on his face. Why the veil? So let's go to the New Testament to 2 Corinthians chapter three. Beautiful chapter. One of my favorites. Starting in Verse 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, the written code, but of the Spirit. For the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought us or produced death, which was the law, which was engraved on letters of stone, came with glory, and it did on that mountaintop. So it was so much glory that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory, transitory though it was, or fading though it was. Verse eight, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? You guys remember what happened on the day that Moses released the law the first time? How many people died in the golden calf incident? Anybody remember? 3,000 people died because of the golden calf incident. When the 
Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, how many people were gathered into the church on that day? About 3,000 people. Because the Spirit gives life, but the letter brings death. Does that mean we cast out the law and say we're done and over? Absolutely not. Christ came to fulfill the law. But the law put demands on you and me that we could never fulfill. And the Spirit came to supply in us the demands that were required by the law, the life of the Son of God in us. Beautiful. Verse 9. If the ministry that brought condemnation, so we have a ministry, the law that brings death, now we have the, the law that brings condemnation was glorious, and it was. How much more glorious is the ministry that brings or imparts righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now, the law, in comparison with the surpassing glory of the gospel. The good news. Verse 11. And if what was fading or transitory came with glory, because it was, how much greater is the glory of the gospel which lasts? The good news, the ministry of the Spirit lasts forever. Verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're very fearless now. We are not like, oop, here we go, Moses. We're bold. We're unlike Moses, who was not bold. Moses put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. The glory was fading, and he didn't want them to see that. He put a veil on his face to prevent them from seeing the fading glory. Sure, they were scared of him, but he did not want them to see it fading in and out, in and out. Verse 14, but their minds were made dull or their minds were hardened. For to this day, the same veil remains over their minds when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is the veil taken away. Even so, when Moses or the law is read, a veil covers their hearts. So you have a veil over your minds that makes it dull and hardened, and now we have a veil over our hearts when Moses is read. Verse 16, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, whenever anyone's heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, and then they see. Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit. Man, that's powerful. The Holy Spirit is the Lord. Amen? The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, or wherever He rules as Lord, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate or behold or reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed like Jesus was transformed on the mountaintop. Like Romans 12 says, we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. We are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory upon glory upon glory. And this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Man, you could read this passage a thousand times. Keep on getting good stuff out of it. Go back with me for a minute to the beginning, the covenant. The old covenant 
was an arrangement and it came through Moses. An arrangement is something, a covenant that's something that's made by one party and it's put in place and it's made there for the second party to either accept or reject. They can accept it or they can reject it, but they can't alter it or change it. God made the covenant. Here is the rules. This is the sphere of our relationship. You will, through this covenant, be able to relate to me. And the old covenant, he set parameters and said, you will relate to me through the law. And Moses imparted that agreement and said, this is what you're supposed to do. You want to live near God? Don't sin. If you sin, cover your sins with the blood of a lamb or a goat. Come every year and a high priest will make atonement for you and have to go through the temple and all this kind of stuff. That's how you relate to God. The old terms say relate to God at a distance through the law. The new terms, the new covenant say we relate to God through Christ and his finished work for us. The new covenant was cut in his blood and it was sealed by his blood. Amen? We live under the new covenant now. We relate to God, not at a distance, but very close in Christ Jesus. In fact, we're so close that we're, we can't ever be removed from inside of him. It's no longer based on what we do because our righteousness is filthy rags. It's based on what he did. So our relationship to God is this beautiful story of imputed righteousness to us that was not ours and we didn't deserve. And now we live in his presence as sons and daughters. Woo! Praise the Lord for that. I love the new covenant, don't you? I'm so glad I don't have to go confess my sins to a priest anymore and have him and I pay for a goat and have him spread the blood for me so that I can go out and do it all over again next week. I'm so glad once for all. If the old covenant came with so much glory that Moses' face was shining because of the radiance of God revealing the old covenant, how much more should we be shining now with the new covenant? The Holy Spirit in us is bursting forth. He wants to shine forth, but he's held back. Nothing can stay God's hand. He does whatever he pleases, but he's chosen to not move when there's unbelief. He's chosen to limit himself in and through us, to let us choose, I will flow or I will, I will be reserved. It's up to us. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in verse 11, look with me. If that was which transitory, the law came with glory, how much greater is the glory which lasts? The ministry of the Holy Spirit shines from us. It lasts forever. It's not here today, gone tomorrow. It's always there, like Jason said, the water underneath the ground is not dependent on the clouds. It's always there. So there's no more lack of boldness. There's no more fear needed. Like Moses, we no longer have to wear a veil that prevented the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. In Christ, the veil is taken away from our faces. Only in Christ is the veil taken away. This is a day-by-day -day thing for us, believers. 
We can live, I believe, it's once and for all, Christ did what he did, but we can live behind the veil or we can live in a new realm outside of the veil. Think with me for a second. Exodus 26 said, why is the veil there in the first place? Where was the veil, everybody, in the tabernacle? It was between the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence dwelled, and the holy place. There's the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, and then there is the holy place, the outer courts. And then there's outside of that, where you have the, 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 the basin, the washing, and all that kind of stuff, the stuff you could see with your eyes. But then you had to go through the, the door into the holy place, and that was not seen from your eyes. And then even deeper than that, you went to the very center, and that was the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest was allowed to enter there. This speaks of our body that we can see with our eyes, the outer court, and our soul that we can't see, that's the holy place, our mind, will, and emotions, and our spirit that is the holy of holies where God dwells in us. We are now the temple of God, amen? So the holy of holies is where God dwells. The curtain that was there was between our soul and our spirit. Exodus 26 says, the veil will separate the holy place from the most holy place. We had a separation between soul and spirit. Adam and Eve were dead in their trespasses and sins after they said no in the garden. That's how we were all born, dead in our trespasses and sins. But, praise the Lord, Matthew 27, verse 50, when Jesus gave up his spirit, at that moment, the veil or the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. So the Holy Spirit could flow out from the Holy of Holies into the holy place, into the outer courts. Flood my mind, will, and emotions, and now my body. Sometimes I get goosebumps in worship when the Spirit's moving. And, and when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I have this boldness in my, in my soul, like my emotion. I just feel bold. I feel freshly filled from the Holy Spirit. I got joy. I, got, I cry sometimes, right? The Holy Spirit touches me in my soul. You guys know what I'm talking about. But it's because the curtain was torn. Before the curtain was torn, God put his Spirit on people, Right? And, and they rushed upon the enemies because God's spirit was on him, right? Saul had the spirit on him, but it wasn't in, it wasn't dwelling. Hebrews 9 verse 8 says, the Holy Spirit is showing us that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed or manifested as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. Meaning Hebrews 9 is saying, look, the Holy Spirit says the way into the Holy of Holies was not revealed until Jesus came and did away with the Levitical system. We don't need it anymore. We're not under law. We're under grace. And so the way has been revealed into the Holy of Holies so we can go boldly and find help in our time of need, rushing up to the throne of grace with confidence. Praise the Lord. How to fight with Lizzie last night because she was irritating me. And she shouldn't have been doing that. And she didn't know she was irritating me. She wasn't trying, but I was irritated because I had a long week and I just want to read my magazine. Just leave me alone. And then she says, well, that kind of hurts my feelings. I'm like, rah, 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 slam the door and walk out. <clears throat> We're going to do a marriage counseling class for anyone who wants to come to our house. Anytime, we'll help you with your marriage. 
So I'm sitting out there reading through my magazine last night. I'm like, I got to preach a sermon tomorrow. I got to lead worship. And how am I going to stand up there? Rah, 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 rah. I usually will take some time to get over this. I'll probably need two or three days to figure out if the Lord still loves me or not, right? And then I'll just mope around. That's what I do. And no, 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 no. So we get up this morning. She's gracious with me. She loves me. I'm sorry. She's like, I'm sorry for this and that. Sorry, will you forgive me? Yes. And we pray, freshly filled. I have access to the throne of grace, whether I'm acting super great in my marriage or not so super great in my marriage. I have been given a platform to stand here and give you the word whether I did a good job last night or whether I did a bad job last night. The question is, do I believe it? Am I living under the law with the veil that says my actions and my behavior dictate how good God is with me today? Or is the veil removed where I'm like, I believe in Jesus. I don't believe in myself. I cast off my sin. Yeah, that was wrong. Forgive me, Lord, but I'm back. The second I come back, I'm I'm good to go. When I look to him, but the moment the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The moment I did that this morning, the veil was taken away. Praise the Lord for that. So the way to the Holy of Holies has been manifested. So we need not remain in the holy place, the soul, in the old covenant. We can now enter into the Holy of Holies and live a life by the Spirit in the new covenant. I'll wrap up with this. This affects Everything in our daily life. This to me, I believe, is the most practical thing we can talk about. We said it earlier. When did we shift from not living by the Spirit in the church? Well, when we shifted individually from not living by the Spirit. That's when we shifted. When we live above the line of sight, that means we're living in the reality of the new covenant. Have you been sealed with the Holy Spirit? Have you said yes to Christ Jesus? If you have, say amen. That means you're already in the new covenant. That does not mean you have to live in the reality of the new covenant in your life today. You can live as if you're in the old covenant while being in the new covenant. Did you know that? What a sorrowful thing. See, so many believers that just are so down on themselves because they're so weak. And I'm like, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the good news. You are weak. You stink. You're dead and gone. So am I. Jesus, though, man, he's something. He's strong. He's powerful. I'm excited about that, and you should be too. So many believers living as if they're in the old covenant with a veil on their face, blocking the shining of the glory of God instead of this. Living in the reality of new covenant looks like this. You live under his banner that is love. You wake up in the morning, Psalms 92 says, and you proclaim his love. And then you go to sleep and you put your head on the pillow that night, Psalms 92 finishes that verse and says, you proclaim his faithfulness. I proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness in the evening. So when I get up in the morning tomorrow, I say, I'm a son. I was born again. You love me, God. Thank you, I'm a son. And when I go to bed tomorrow night, I'll say, you've been faithful to me today, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. You've been so good. That's how we live. We live under the declaration that as a believer, I'm now free from guilt and condemnation. 
That's what living in the covenant reality means. I'm free from guilt and condemnation. For everything in the past, it's been washed. It's been cleaned. It was buried in the depths of the sea. For everything in the future, it's been buried in the depths of the sea. Does that mean I sin more? No, absolutely not. His grace teaches me to say no to ungodliness. His grace teaches me to say yes to righteousness. So I'm like, God, I'm free from guilt. I'm free from condemnation. Thank you. I feel light. I feel like a child. My kids disobey me, spank, 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 do the discipline, hold them, love them, and bam, they're back out to playing like it never happened. Like it never happened. Oh, would I be like that, God? Just a child that just forgets, just like you forget and moves on. Just, just move on. And we live walking set apart in God's special purpose. God has such a purpose for each one of us. The veil over the mind makes it dull and hardened. The veil over the heart makes it blind. But now, finish with me here in verse 16. But whenever anyone's heart turns in repentance and truth to the Lord, this happens every day for us, by the way, guys. Whenever my heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away and I can see clearly. Now, this happened at my salvation, yes, but it happens every single day when the veil comes over, my enemy's on my face when I wake up tomorrow morning, enemy's sitting on me and I can't see clearly. I have to turn to the Lord and look away from myself and look to Jesus. And immediately when I do that, immediately the veil is taken away and I see. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing in faith. I'm no longer living in sight. The bills are bad. We might go under. My wife's irritating me. My kids, I'm weak. I'm just, and I'm all here. And self-pity, it's demonic. It's of the devil. And we get all this idolatry of self. We get up on the throne. We get our eyes off Jesus. But the eyes of faith say, no, I look away from all that I am and all that I'm not. And I look onto Jesus today. I see clearly now. I've got eyes of faith. When we turn in repentance, I repent of that way of thinking. And faith, I believe in Jesus, not in myself. The veil is removed and I see. Verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Spirit of the Lord is everywhere in the earth, yes? Every atom. The Lord is everywhere. He's omnipresent, yes? But is there bondage on the earth and slavery? Why is that? How could this verse mean that? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, he's everywhere, there's freedom. Why is there not freedom everywhere? Because the verse doesn't mean if he's omnipresent, there's freedom. What the verse means is wherever the Spirit is the Lord, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, meaning where the Spirit is ruling and reigning as the Lord, there's freedom. Is he ruling and reigning? Where does he reign, by the way? Not in, not in houses or buildings made out of brick and stone. He's ruling and reigning in hearts. My home my heart. Lord Jesus, come make your home in my heart by faith and rule and reign here today. There's freedom when that happens. Where Jesus is reigning in a heart or in a family or in a business, there's freedom. Where he's ruling and reigning as Lord. Now, verse 18, last verse. And we all who with unveiled faces 
are contemplating the Lord's glory or beholding it and reflecting it like a mirror. We're looking into it. Remember, it says in verse seven, the Israelites could not look steadily at Moses' face. They looked away. But we look steadily into the face of the Lord. We're contemplating it. We're beholding it. And as we behold, we become. You become what you behold. Whatever you look at makes you who you are. And so as I behold, I keep on looking. I'm like a mirror and I reflect like the moon reflects the sun back. So we look with eyes of our heart. Remember, it said before, when the veil was over our hearts, our eyes were blinded. But the veil is taken away, so we see. So now we can see with our heart on him and then what happens to our mind. And then we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. We're transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. The more we see of him, the more we become like him, the more glory, the brighter we shine, and the more his glory is reflected. We behold, we see him for ourselves. We reflect, other people see him through us, amen? Like a mirror. I see him for myself and then he bounces off of me and other people. I enable other people to see him by seeing me. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Psalm 34, five. We shall be like him for we'll see him as he is. This is why we are like we are in heaven because when we see him in heaven, we'll be like him because we'll see him fully for who he is. So there's no need for you to effort to stir up more glory. You need to live above the line of sight in the realm of faith. All the prophetic words, all the healing, everything flows when you live in that realm. It's already there. You just got to access it. Elijah's servant didn't have to go out and try to get the horses and chariots of fire on the mountain. It was already there. He just had to see. We live beholding his glory in the realm of faith, a different realm, a higher realm. We went to Beaver Lake this last week for a couple of days. And, uh, we were sitting on the deck drinking our coffee one morning, Andy and Emily out there. This all started by talking to Emily afterwards. This is, the Lord just started stirring this in my heart. Lizzie and I were sitting out there. Janae was out there, Ryan, a few people, my kids. We were just sitting there and we were just enjoying the cool weather, beautiful view, Beaver Lake. We weren't sitting, by the way. We were just talking about the weather. We were just enjoying, we we're talking about where we we're getting on the lake that day or whatever, just normal stuff. And Lizzie's like, I'm just really enjoying the Passion Translation. Can I just read this Psalms 40 or whatever it was? Can I just read that over you? So we're all sitting there sipping our coffee, just in the rocking chairs. And I just close my eyes and listen. And Lizzie just reads this Psalm over us. And it kicked us into something different, into a new realm as we're sitting there doing that. She brought salt in the conversation. And she gets done reading and it was just like, it was just, it was just sweet, right guy? I mean, it's just sweet to hear the Psalms just read over you. And I said, hey, can we just pray for a few minutes? So here we are on vacation and we're just sitting on the deck and we just start praying. And what happens? The Holy Spirit starts to release visions for one another, words of encouragement, words of blessing, words of confirmation. Harper's like, I want to pray over Emily. Harper starts crying. She goes, prays over Emily. Emily starts crying. 
We start prophesying to each other. We just have a little mini church service for about half an hour out there. Everybody kind of leaves, starts the day. Emily stays out there and Lizzie and I are just prophesying to her and just blessing her. That's what I'm talking about. And by the way, we went skiing and had fun on the boats after that. But something changed. We moved from sight living, which didn't mean we were going to hell, and we weren't sinning. We just moved up into another realm, the realm of faith. We're like, oh, it's already there. All these prophetic words that we had and we're speaking, it was already there. We just had to enter into another room. Does that make sense? Didn't need to stir it up. Mustard seed of faith gets you there. Brian Paulzer selling a roof. He told us at our last Acts 42 meeting. He's driving out to a guy's house to sell him a roof. He's like, Lord tells him on the way out there, this guy's back problems. So he shows up, you wanna buy this roof? No, I don't wanna buy the roof. Okay, do you have any problems with your back? Yes, actually I do. I have cancer. Doctor says I have three months to live, cancer in the lower part of my back. Can I pray for you? Brian's praying for this guy, the guy starts weeping. He's like really touched emotionally. Just ministering to this guy. Guy doesn't buy a roof from him. He calls him back in a few months, free from cancer. Don't know what happened, totally free, healed. He's, he calls him a few months after that, right? I just wanna say thanks again, I'm still doing great. Thank you so much for not selling me a roof. And going. Brian's like, let's just gonna move up into a new realm here. It's not hard to do, it's just, it takes boldness to do it. It just takes fearlessness. Spirit of God, stir us up to do that more and more. Every single one of you can live this life. Every single one of you, it's not hard to do, it just takes boldness. Don't be like Moses. Don't put the veil over your face. The veil's been removed in Christ Jesus. Any ads to that, guys? Let's stand up if you would. Let's stand up. Yeah, Jason, come on up. Come on up. Come on up. I know I didn't say this earlier because uh, I think we needed to hear what Jonathan had to say, but... This is a little bit different for me, but it is in the realm of proclaiming to the city, to this state, to this nation, that those things, the fear, the doubt, the unbelief, again, that kept Israel in perpetual disobedience and grumbling with God, that we fight against and everything in this world is aligned to make that hold us back. Everything, every power over this world is purposed for keeping us in that position. And when the Israelites were heading back to the promised land after the 40 years in the wilderness, they come back and there's no water. They start grumbling again. God tells Moses this time not to strike the rock with his rod, but to speak to it. But he in disbelief and disobedience himself, and, the, and he strikes the rock twice, the water flows. But God has a problem with that and he says that you have chosen this and to show me as not being holy to the people. So he was cut off from going into the promised land. So we have an opportunity to speak to rocks within us, rocks in the church, to let the water flow and to show that God is holy 
to this area, to the nation, to the world. Close us up in prayer, sister. Pray over us if you would. All this. So, Lord, we just ask that all of these words and all of these proclamations and all of the truth that came out tonight would just seep into our hearts that it would be sealed up, that we would hold on to the truths, Lord, that we would remember them. God, let it not be stolen away by fear of man or any kind of fear going out into the world. Lord, I just ask for a move of boldness to come on your people, Lord, in this room and all over El Dorado and Wichita. Lord, that we would not be afraid to speak up because we know that our faces are shining and that other people want what we have. So Lord, I just ask that tonight would be a pivotal moment, a change in our hearts to where we would rise up beyond that sight line to go into the next realm, to go into the next room, Lord, to move into your level, to speak your words, to use the Holy Spirit, to not quench your voice, Lord. But we would just take that second just to see what you're doing, to hear from you, to hear your voice, to see what you're doing in that situation. Lord, rise up into that level and enter the realm where you're doing amazing things, Lord, that we would be able to see that. Let us be bold in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Let your, let your church speak up. I take the masks off in Jesus' name. Thank you, Elise. Do this. This week, guys, come on, do it. Do it once or twice. Come back with the testimony next week. I'm just going to ask next week, I'm going to stand up here and say, who has a living above the line of sight testimony and give us a quick testimony to build our faith. Love you guys. We're over time. Bless you. Stay as long as you like for ministry. Love you all. Have a good week.